He is risen. risen. Nice work. So my name's Daniel Long. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace, and like to welcome all of you, whether you're new or you've been here and you've been coming here, so grateful to to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus with you. Uh, But if this is your first time or if you're new, I actually would love for you to fill out one of these welcome cards that you received, and you can write your name on there. You can let us know if there's something you'd like um, from us, whether a call or just some information about our church, uh, we, 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 we want to connect with you. So you're going to have an opportunity in a minute to be able to uh, put that in the offering bags that are going to go by, but want to say that it's such an amazing thing to see this place filled with people and hearing your voices so that we can be praising the one that the grave could not conquer. So, so grateful to be worshiping with you. Also this morning, we have a special offering that we're going to be taking for one of our ministry partners. Uh, So we help support a preschool in the city named Precious Lamb. And so Precious Lamb is a preschool that helps to serve children whose lives are impacted by homelessness, food insecurity, or unstable environments. So this morning, we're going to be taking a special offering to help support them and what they're up to, because they're up to some amazing things. Honestly, these teachers, this school, they do remarkable things for these children to help provide and be like this this first point of contact of some stability and of some care and of of some love. So the greeters are going to come up in a minute, and they're going to be taking that offering. But before that, I'd love to pray over that offering. So would you pray with me? Living God, you are so generous, and you've given us so much in Jesus. You've given us hope and joy and peace. You've given us new life. And God, we, we are people who want to respond with what you've given to us in order to be a blessing to those in front of us. And so God, we pray over this offering for Precious Lamb, for these children, God, that you would show them that you are a God who is with them, who is generous, who is caring, who provides safety and comfort. So God, may the things that we give in response to your generosity help to bless them, and may your kingdom come in the lives of these kids, in the lives of our city through these kids, by what you're doing through Precious Lamb, but also beyond what you're doing in our lives and through us and what you've given. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Also wanna welcome those of you who are in fifth, fifth, first through fifth grade. I was just combining, was combining those two things. I don't know if you noticed that. Um, so from first through fifth grade, because kids, one of the cool things about being able to to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus is to celebrate with you. One of the things that Jesus said is that the little children would come to him because you guys give us a glimpse of what it means um, to receive the kingdom of God. So thank you for being with us. There are also gonna be some activity bags for you to, fill, to, to be able to, to do uh, while the message is happening. So if you want one of those, uh, not adults, kids, uh, if you wanna raise your hand and the activity bags will make their way to you as well. Also want to remind you that there is no better way to celebrate together the resurrection of Jesus than with tacos. So after the service, after we're done, there's going to be um, a party on the plaza. 
where there's going to be food and it's going to be a great time. So I want to remind you to go out there after the service and to enjoy some food together. There's going to be some fun for kids, some bounce houses in the social hall that, you, that, you, that parents, you can be there with your kids and enjoy those as well. And what I want to remind you of is that, again, we are partying together because we believe that the new life that we see and glimpse in the resurrected Jesus is new life that we get to experience in the present and in the now. So in just a few moments, after the greeters are done handing out those bags, I'm going to ask you to stand and to welcome one another, and we are going to extend a friendly welcome uh, to one another, the family of God, to say we are glad you're here and we are glad to be worshiping with you. But if you're still getting bags passed, don't get up yet. But it looks like the front rows, you guys are free. So you guys can stand up and greet one another, and then the people in the back, they're going to have to wait just a moment.
is risen. He is risen. He is risen. I wish every Sunday was Easter because that's like the best way to get you guys back from greeting one another. Good morning, my name is Will Vakurvich, one of the pastors here, so excited and thankful to be here with you guys on this Easter Sunday. Uh, this morning, <clears throat> if you're new here, you probably don't know this, but uh, my family and I recently moved from Arizona. I grew up in Northern California in the Bay Area, so I'm getting to know Southern California. So this will make sense as I share this story. A few years ago, uh, I had some friends who started a, uh, a baseball team for kids, like Little League sort of deal, right? And, and they needed some more players, so we signed our oldest kiddo up to play baseball for the Halos. And, and I knew that my friend had lots of friends who, who were like big sports families, and so we didn't really know what we were signing ourselves up for, but the first surprise came when he asked me to coach. Now, background. I've never played baseball. But his pitch was, but you know more than a five-year-old does, right? Sure. Barely. So, so we show up to his house. There's all these families. You know, they're, they're introducing this, uh, this season, this baseball season, and what it's going to be like. And we realize quickly, like, oh, six months of club baseball. That's not what we had in mind for our five-year-old. But we're signed up, and I'm coaching. And so we're talking at the table, meeting moms and dads, and, you know, just kind of small talk, you know, how's it going? Uh, are you guys a baseball family? And this one, this one couple that we've been chatting with, we're kind of like hitting it off, you know, chatting it up, talking about baseball. I'm telling them how I know nothing about baseball, and they just kind of like smile. And I'm like, well, are you guys into baseball? And they're like, yeah, a little. Like, all right, cool, cool. Uh, are you, you, you know, how, are your kids, have they played before? They're like, yeah, our, our kids have played since they, were, since they were little. And my friend walks by and he goes, do you know who's talking to you? I have no, I have no idea, Dre. I met this guy, Dre. I don't know who Dre is. And so we keep chatting it up and, and you know, I start like, you know, like open foot, insert mouth, start talking about like, yeah, I don't really like baseball. It's kind of slow. <laughs> Some of my favorite sport. You know, if like, if I'm at a game with like a, a hot dog and a, um, in a beverage, right? Like, I like baseball. <laughs> and, and he kind of giggles, and his wife's kind of like chuckling, and, and I'm like unaware of the joke, but you know, whatever. So uh, the next day I'm at work, and my friend says, do you know who was talking to you? I said, I, no, I have no idea. He's like, you still haven't figured it out. No. He says, that was Andre Ethier. <laughs> to which I replied, who is Andre Ethier? <laughs> If you're like me, you didn't know that he uh, played for the Dodgers, was like a hugely successful and influential baseball player who I think had like a pretty clutch moment to win a World Series. Is that right, Dodgers fans? Yeah. So that was the running joke. Do you know who is talking to you? That's what I'd like to talk about today as we dive into this text. We're going to be in the book of John. If you don't have a Bible with you, don't worry, we're prepared. If you just reach under your seat, there's a special Bible. Reach back further than you would anticipate. It's going to be on page 906. We're going to be in the book of John, chapter 20. We're going to start in verse 19. <clears throat> the book of John, chapter 20, verse 19. Or if you have the Bible underneath your chair, that's page 906. What's been happening here is Jesus has been 
uh, sent from heaven. He's put on flesh. He's dwelt amongst us. He's lived his life. He's talked about what the kingdom of God is like. He's performed miracles and healings and exorcisms and done all of these crazy radical things. He's gathered together a group of followers called the disciples. They've promised they will never leave him nor forsake him. And when he's arrested and, and falsely accused, they all abandon him. The Roman Empire beats him, crucifies him, kills him, and buries him. And we're here today because he is risen. All right, yeah, more than I thought. You guys are on. You guys are on. I love it. I love it. So we're going to pick up after Jesus has risen from the grave. We're going to be in chapter 20, starting in verse 19. This is what it says. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, With the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. This is the passage we're going to look at today. Will you guys pray with me? Jesus, you are risen not just long ago, but still today. We thank you for that. Jesus, we thank you that you spoke and that you are still speaking today. Jesus, we thank you that you were present with your disciples and you are present here with us even today. And so would you help us to experience you through your word? Would you continue to speak to us? Continue to remind us of who you are continue to draw us closer to you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So do you know who's talking to you? Jesus is talking to the disciples here. He shows up, and he begins to reveal himself in different ways. And I think for me, I think about as I have grown in my relationship with Jesus, come to know who who he is, I've had to reset some of my assumptions. And so the first one that we see here is that Jesus is a God who is near, not far. Jesus is a God who is near, not far. I think before coming to faith, I assumed that if there was a God, that this God would be distant. He he would be far away. He would be unapproachable, especially if I was doing things that I shouldn't be doing. We see these disciples in this this passage today, these disciples who promised Jesus they would never leave him, and then they abandoned him. They would never run away, but they were actually the ones who betrayed him. Peter denied him three times. And now these bold, bombastic disciples who made these promises and rash vows to Jesus will never leave you, Jesus. Now we find them cowering in this room with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. They're terrified. Keep in mind, this is Jesus who they witnessed calm the raging storms. Jesus who they watched walk on water. Jesus who they watched just a few days earlier raise a man from the dead. They're terrified in the Jewish leaders. And so now if I'm Jesus, I would probably stay far. Like these are my friends. These are, these are like the homies, the rider dies, who were supposed to be there in that moment that I needed them. They couldn't even stay awake to pray. Like I, I don't know that I would be going to their slumber party and hanging out. I think my feelings would be hurt, right? Okay, I'm the only one. All right, you guys are way more forgiving than I am apparently. 
But we see Jesus, this God who is near, not far, enter into their midst, through the locked door, in the midst of where they're hiding, in the midst of where they're cowering, in the midst of where they're living the opposite of everything they said, they, everything they promised. Jesus enters into their midst. He says, peace be with you. Peace be with you who have betrayed me. Peace be with you because this Jesus is a God who is near, not far. And this isn't news. If you can remember back to the beginning of the Bible, we see God creating everything. And when God creates humanity in this beautiful creation poem, we have such an intriguing image of God stooping down in the dust of the garden, in the dirt of the garden, and forming Adam and Eve with his hands, getting dirt under his fingernails, so to speak. And it says he breathed life into them, not like from a distance. God didn't blow a kiss. God moved close. Close. Think mouth-to-mouth CPR. Think the intimacy of a kiss with a loved one. He breathed life into their lungs. Our God is a God who has always been near and not far. We're tempted with the lies that we're not good enough, that we're not clean enough, that we're not holy enough. That's true, but God, despite that, still moves close. God who's willing to get our dirt under his fingernails, so to speak, so that he can kiss, he can breathe his life into us. We serve a God who is near and not far. It doesn't matter what you've done because the reality is we can't do enough. It's like we all operate under this image of like God is somewhere up up in heaven and we've got to work really, really hard to climb the mountain up to get near to him with whatever that looks like, success at work, success in parenting, success in school, by working really hard, by praying really hard. Some of you guys are like memorizing Bible verses. Some of you, we went hard during Lent. We fasted. That means there were days we didn't eat. That's not how we get God to like us. Because God is already a God who is near and not far. You can't work your way up the mountain to him. The good news is that Jesus came down the mountain so you don't have to work your way up. Jesus already came close, just as the Father came close in the garden. We see Jesus coming close through his life. And still today, do you know who's talking to you? Do you know who's talking to you? This Jesus who says, I know you and I delight in you. You don't have to perform. I know you and I love you and I care about you and I want to be near you, not because of what you can produce. You don't have to edit yourself. He is a God who moves near, not far. It's Jesus who says, I love you. I see you for who you are, not for what you can give. Not for what you can sacrifice for me. Jesus says, my sacrifice is enough. Do you know who's talking to you? God who moves near, who doesn't stay far. Let's keep reading. Or actually reread. After he says, peace be with you, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed. 
Now, the story goes, if you were with us here on Good Friday, this is fresh. Jesus' hands were pierced. He was nailed to the cross. His side was pierced with the spear. The gospel writers tell us that blood and water flowed out. That's an indicator that he had already died, that the plasma and platelets were separating in his blood. He was dead. The implication here is that Jesus took the worst. The worst the Jewish leaders could do to him. The worst the Roman Empire could do to him. The worst Pontius Pilate could sentence him to. He took the worst life has to offer after being betrayed by close friends. He died. The evidence is clear. He absorbed the worst thing that could happen, the thing that we fear, death. When, at some point when I was in college, I started having these reoccurring nightmares that I was like being chased by snakes. And they were like biting me as I was trying to run away, but they were really fast. You guys didn't know this would be like a therapy time for me, right? <laughs> but what happened, because I had these nightmares over and over and over, there's probably people who are in here that are like, we know what his subconscious fears are now, right? Uh, because these nightmares kept happening, I developed a fear of snakes. Now, here's the reality. I'm not scared of snakes. I'm scared of snakes biting me and injecting venom, and then I die, right? Like, we're not actually scared of heights, we're scared of falling off of heights. One of the most fascinating things I found is um, more than 50% of adults in America are scared of clowns. I don't know what, maybe like from popular movies, I know there's kids in here, so we'll be careful. We're not actually scared of the thing, we're scared of what happens from the thing. We're scared of death. Church, here's the good news. If we know who's talking to us, then we know that this Jesus is a God who brings life, not death. Jesus is a God who brings life, not death, and he has the receipts to prove it. He showed them his hands and his side. He showed them that he had died. That was a reminder. He had tasted death. He had experienced it. It wasn't a hoax. He didn't just go hide in the cave for a few days. He actually died. If he died and rose again, then that means everything changes. If Jesus died and rose again, then that means everything changes. The entire course of earth's history changes. This is the hinge that God put on flesh, walked among us, lived a perfect life, died, and came back. This means that Jesus is Lord. I am not. This means that there's good news. Death doesn't have the final answer. Because if we realize who's talking to us, then we know that this is a God who brings life and not death. This means the fears that we have that govern our decision-making the fears that drive us to do the things based off of fear and insecurity and that there's not enough, we don't have to live those lies anymore. We don't have to continue to make those same choices that continue to result in the same outcomes. We're driven by fear, and so we choose things that lead to death. No, there is a better news. That in Jesus, we see a God who brings life, not death. He has overcome death. 
Death no longer has the final answer, the final word, the final power or authority Jesus does. So when we're thinking about who is this God who's talking to us, we see a God who brings life, not death. And I have to admit this challenged so many of my assumptions. Because my assumption was like, okay, like if, you know, if I become a Christian, if I start going to church, then I can't do this, and I can't do this, and I can't do this, and I can't do the other thing. And basically, in my high school mind, it was like, I just can't have any fun. The assumption was that following Jesus meant like all of the fun things that I wanted to do, every idea of what I thought life should be, I would have to give up. And it would lead to a really slow, boring death in the church. But if this actually happened, if the creator of all things actually took our death for us and came back to life, rose from the grave, then he may know more than my 16-year-old self did. He may know more than my 41-year-old self does. He would actually be Lord. He would actually be King of Kings the one in charge. And that means my assumptions, my preferences, my rights, my privilege, all of those things have to fall underneath his lordship. But it doesn't have to be scary because we can see he's a God who brings life, not death. He's a God who brings good news, not condemnation. He's a God who speaks words of hope to the hopeless. I love, we talked about that earlier. The disciples were like, they placed all their bets on this guy, and then he died. What now? If that was the end of the story, then what now? What do they do? But there's a better story, because Jesus is a God who brings life, not death. Final point. Let's reread. He shows the disciples his hands inside in verse 20. The disciples saw they were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, at the start of verse 21, Jesus said, peace be with you. And I can't help but imagine myself into this story at this moment. I can't help imagining Jesus locking eyes with me and showing his hands. In the unspoken question in the room of, where were you? Peter, who was so quick to like grab the sword when Jesus was being arrested and, and chop the guy's ear off, right? Where were you, Peter? Oh, denying him three times. In one of the Gospels, I love that there's like weird, funny things in the Bible. In one of the Gospels, it talks about like they tried to grab one of Jesus' disciples, and he was so intent on getting away, he like ran out of his clothes. Like what an awkward run home, right? <laughs> These guys who said they would abandon everything to follow Jesus literally ran home without his clothes, trying to get away. Where were you? Where were you when this happened? In church, I wish it was just them. I wish it was just the disciples that turned their back on Jesus, but we know it's not. Because for all of us, we know those things that we ought to do and those things that we ought not to do, and we still choose the things that we shouldn't do. I know that it's best for me to eat healthy and work out all the time. I don't do it. 
I know it's best to like go to sleep on time and drink water. Coffee tastes better. And those are like the funny things that we can laugh at. We know those instances. We know those moments when the words are forming in our brain and before they get to our mouths, we know the intention is to hurt someone and we say it anyways. We know that feeling in the pit of our stomach when we're formulating the lie to cover our tracks and we do it anyways. We know how we're allowing the ways other people have hurt us in the past to turn us into people who hurt others in our future and we let it go. We know we shouldn't, we do it anyways. And Jesus asks, do you see my hands? Do you see my hands? Remember my side? Remember, this is what you deserve. This is what I deserve. Parents, we know this, right? We can try to like make all the, you know, amends for our kid. Nobody taught their kid to lie. At no point in my parenting did I teach my boys, hey, if your brother does something you don't like, just hit him. Just go for it. Just hit him as hard as you can. We don't teach our kids that. It's in us. It's in all of us. It's in all of us. And scripture teaches that the wages of sin is death. And so as Jesus showed his disciples in, in this passage we're looking at today, I think Jesus is still showing us today his hands, his side, the unspoken question, where were you? Where were you in that moment? And I imagine myself in that room. I imagine the look on his face the tension in the air, the silence, the deafening silence. Who could respond as Jesus is showing his wounds? His mouth begins to form a word. What word would they anticipate? Judgment, guilt, shame, condemnation. Jesus inhales to fill his lungs with breath so that he could speak the same God who spoke creation into existence says, peace be with you. The God who had every right to speak judgment, to speak guilt, to speak shame, to speak condemnation because the reality is they abandoned him and so do we. They didn't live up to it and neither do we. And Jesus looks at us still today. Do you know who's talking to you? And he says, peace be with you. He's a God of peace, not wrath. When we deserve wrath, he speaks peace over us. What kind of love is that? What kind of forgiveness is that, church? It's almost too good to be true. I don't experience that often. We don't experience that often in our lives. Authentic, true, real, unconditional love. Not that just love's in the easy ways, right? Like bakes cookies on holidays, but actual love that will lay its life down for us, for me and for you, for us in this room and for the whole world, each individual who he formed in your mother's womb. 
He knows the hairs on your head. He knows your days. He knows where he will send you and where he will call you. He knows what you will do. He knows the sparrows and cares for them, the lilies of the field and provides their beauty and splendor. And he knows you, not just the good things. He knows those reasons that you carry shame. He knows those reasons that you carry guilt after all of those years, those heavy burdens that bear down on your shoulders. He knows those things and he looks at you and says, peace. Peace be with you. Do you know who's talking to you? This God who is near and not far, a God of love, life and not death, a God of peace and not wrath. And this is the God who is still speaking today. This is the God who is still inviting us in. This is the God who is still moving close. I don't know all of your circumstances and situations. But this is the God who brought you here today. This is the God who encouraged one of your friends or family members or neighbors or coworkers to take that awkward step and invite you to church in 2023 in California. This is the God who knows everything you've been through, your good days and your bad days, and who still draws close who still offers life, who still offers peace and not wrath. This is the God who invites us into relationship with him. He says, I will never betray you. He wants to be with us. That our presence with him matters. It matters to the point that he left the comforts of heaven that he laid down his life on the cross and that he rose again, proving that he is Lord, that there is hope, that there is hope for a better day. And this is the God who is still inviting us in. And so at this point in the service, we are gonna have our prayer team come forward. We're gonna invite everyone to pray and for some of you, this is a prayer for other people here, a prayer that Jesus would continue to reveal himself. This is a prayer of joy and thanksgiving that it is Easter and that he is risen. Yeah, you're still with me. For others, it's been a long time. It's been a long time, but you can remember that story of the prodigal son, the son who walked away from the father and decided to come back. Maybe that's you today. Good news, that story still speaks. There is still a father who is scanning the horizon looking for you. And he sees you and his arms are open and he is running. Maybe it's time to come back to the father's embrace. There are people who would love to pray with you for that. For others, you don't know what's going on. You decided to show up to this church. They're talking about Jesus. They have these chants that no one warned you about. He is risen. Now you're catching on, but something's happening. There's something happening in the pit of your stomach and you can't explain it. You don't have it all figured out, but Jesus, you know right now that Jesus is calling your name and you want to respond. It's not the food you ate last night. It's not something that you watched. This is not your subconscious. This is actually the spirit of God speaking to you today. Do you know who's talking to you?
the God who draws near, the God who brings life, the God who offers peace is calling your name, and our prayer team would love to pray with you for that. So I'm going to pray over us, and then we're going to stand, and you guys are going to move around. You're going to pray with the prayer team. You can pray with one another. You can pray individually, but we, are, we have an opportunity to respond to what God is saying through his word. So let me pray for us, and we're going to move on with our service. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for calling us by name. Thank you for laying down your life so that we could be invited into your family. Thank you for knowing our sin and bearing it gladly. Thank you for providing a way that we can be reunited with the Father, our good and heavenly Father who loves us rightly, our Father who would never abandon us or mistreat us, our Father who has what's good in store for us. Jesus, we know that doesn't mean a perfect, easy life. These disciples who were terrified of the Jewish leaders would later go on to die at the hands of the Jewish and Roman leaders, but you were with them, just as you're promising to be with us now. So Jesus, would you meet us? Would you speak tenderly to our hearts? Would you give us the courage to stand up, to pray with one another, to cry out to you because there is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved but the name of Jesus. And so, Father, as that will happen in your kingdom, would you help that to break in now, today, in this place, on earth, in Long Beach, as it is in heaven. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.